Attention all terrestrial beings. You are now tuned into frequency 790-600. The Strange Ones Podcast. Let's get it. Strange Ones. Yeah, talking about comics and reading about comics and fucking with comics and shit. What up, Strange Ones on planet Earth and beyond? Welcome to the Strange Ones podcast. I am your host, Byron Olson. This is my co-host, Dean. And this is episode three, issue three, as we like to say. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. We got fun fact of the day. You like that, don't you? You like fun facts, don't you? I love fun facts. Actually, you know what? Let's start it out a little differently. How are you? How are you doing? Eric? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Saturday, got got out in the snow. I went sledding yesterday. Okay. It was sick as hell at Billy Taylor Park. Nice. I actually saw um, Billy Taylor, the pianist. I don't know if it's named after him, but I saw him when I was a kid. Kansas City. Okay. Wow. Yep. Sick ass. That's cool. Sick ass pianist. Went to his park never here heard in Providence. Sled his hill with my daughter. You know, just kept it real. That's sick as hell. Sick as hell. Love to hear it. I fucking busted my ass shoveling a bunch of shit. <sighs> and my back's my back's fucked, dude. Uh Dude, my back is hurting, but we're we're here. We're doing it. Shoveling's no we're joke. We're not complaining. Shoveling's no joke. Sh- There's just no way to do it without hurting your back. If you do a few driveways, I mean, my back, it's just wrecked. You know, I tried to keep the core locked. I tried to bend my knees a little bit. It doesn't matter. You end up losing form. You just get tired. Did you jut it all your goes chin? Downhill. Did you jut your chin? <sighs> I don't know about this technique. No, I didn't jut my chin. What, Ooh, bro. what am I doing wrong? Oh, bro. Oh, my God. Chin jutting. Enlighten me. Chin jutting. It's probably the single biggest contributor to lower back pain. Chin jutting. Chin so jutting. If, I would say if you're probably standing normal or how it normally feels to stand, you're jutting out your chin a little bit. Like, really, you should be, like, looking out and up, not, like, straight out of your eyes. You know, your chin should be, like, okay. it'll feel like you're actually tucking it in, but actually that's the first time your spine's aligned. So you're tucking it in. You're not jutting it out. Correct. And that'll, like, lift the back of your head up. Wow. And it'll force you to bring your glutes directly underneath your pelvis. And that is how you get the uh, low back pain to go away, to actually incorporate your glutes into your uh, stature. It all comes back to the glutes. It always comes back to the glutes. That's true. Engage. Engage. Squeeze the glutes. Suck them in. Suck them in. All right. Fun fact of the day. Invader created he's an artist or they're an artist in france and they created a rubik's cube mona lisa huh this this piece is 
going on sale later this month, and it's expected to sell for more than $160,000. Wow. A French artist invader molded the piece using hundreds of little puzzles. He says it's part of a movement he created called Rubik Cubism. Rubik Cubism. Rubik Cubism. So he each he like pixelated the Mona Lisa and so then like solves for all these different unique faces to create like the color effects and stuff. He as far as I know, I looked and yeah, they're mosaics using Rubik's cubes. Wow. Of like there was like a Jack Nicholson. I don't know, dude. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. 160k. Sheesh. For uh for a, a Rubik's cube. How many Rubik's Cubism. cubes are in it? I don't know. I guess we'll find out at the end of the month when it drops. I think it's a mystery. <sighs> this is hot. This is breaking news. <laughs> Rubik's well, Cubism. From... You know, I, 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 I'm glad someone's revamping Cubism because for a long time when I've seen Cubist paintings, I'm like, this is good. But you know what make it yep. really good? Doing it again with a Rubik's Cube. I was like, that. I just thought that was that was fun because we, you know, Rubik's cube was on the list of the greatest inventions, uh, above inventions the of the twentieth century. If you were there at issue one when we talked about <laughs> the Guinness World Records uh, greatest inventions of the twentieth century, and you shit on Rubik's cube, you said it shouldn't have been there. You said it was a game, a puzzle. I did, and now this guy's making a Mona Lisa re- uh, recreation, and it's gonna sell for. 160k or more. I'm the fool. I'm the fool. This is how it goes. It's my whole. All right. This is it. <laughs> fun, right. fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> fun fact of the day number two. Oh, we got two fun facts. Members of Space Force will be called Guardians. Whoa. Whoa. Mike Pence dropped it. Mike Pence dropped it the other day. They're going to be known as Guardians. Space Force. You have have, uh, soldiers, you have sailors, you have Marines, and you have Guardians. So good. So good. I'll probably probably try to become a Guardian in Space Force. Why not, right? It's pretty fucking cool. But listen to this. Uh, in In the review, this is on NPR. Uh, in the article, um, others noted notice it seemed uh, crippled from Marvel franchises Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> After Pence's announcement, Guardians director James Gunn tweeted, "Can we soothe his dork?" <laughs> James Gunn directed Guardians of the Galaxy, and they, it also goes on to say, "Yep." It's not the first time the Space Force drew attention from seeing, uh, from seeming to borrow from popular culture. When the branch announced its logo in January, sci-fi fans immediately noted its similarities to the Starfleet insignia from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Space Force is just ripping. So here's my question. Are we entering into the sci-fi age? Are we going into the, like I love the idea of space force. I'm not gonna lie. Like how fuck and they're called guardians? Oh yeah. Like we're entering into the Star Wars age. Yeah. 
No, I mean, this is the beginnings. This, the sci-fi sci-fi reality is upon us. You know, I think, you know, you just have to think about how abstract reality is becoming, you know, where people can, you know, subsist mostly in a digital form. And that's insane. Whoa. I mean, you couldn't have thought, thought of that a few years ago. And here we are. Um, Big facts. And it does look like, I mean, right. Climate change is only worth like advocating for on the supposition that we can't go to Mars, that we are restricted to the planet earth for the subsistence of our species. And dude, every sci-fi book I've ever read pretty much throws out that supposition as like true for a certain set of circumstances that we're probably going to overcome mostly technological in the very near future. I mean, Musk is talking about Mars. NASA's talking about Mars. I mean, that's, that's the future. When's the flight to Mars? Isn't that happening in like eight years? First I don't know. flight to Mars. I know I you can like sign up, people. sign up to go to Mars. They already have a crew. The crew's already set. The first. Would you go? Yes, but we're gonna save that for uh, for a whole other episode because that's we're gonna we're gonna save that for now. For now, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. All right. Okay. Next section. Local artist shout out. Local artist shout out. My man Malik Seeley. Malik is an animator. You can check him out at Malik R. Seeley. That's M-A-L-I-K-R-S-E-A-L-Y on Instagram. He does some really cool stuff, and he is a really nice person. And you should check him out, and you should contact him for work uh, because that's what this is all about, supporting artists. And he's not necessarily local. I think he's in New York right now, but uh, close enough. You know what I mean? Shout out. Shout out. Slide. Shout out Malik Seeley, my dude. Shout out. Nice. I I also want to do a quick shout out to Gina. Gina. Okay. Gina, we shouted you out a few episodes ago. To give you props for how how you you know jumped on the pause, and look, I'm not here to come down on you. She jumped off the pause. Real yeah, quick. I'm I'm coming to say, shout out. I know what you must be going through to be fucking up so bad, and you know I believe in you. I believe in you. We believe in you. Like, we know you can do better. Like. You know, do better. Do better. Do do better. That's what we're all trying to do, and she uh, needs to do it. Be better, like Melania says. There you go. Be best. Be best. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. Be best. Okay. Uh, that'll do it for uh, for our artist shout out, Malik Seeley. Check him out. Uh. Moving on to the next segment, overrated, overrated underrated. underrated. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The classic segment we've done one time before. Woo, woo. <clears throat> overrated, underrated, number one, 
Space Force. What do you think? <laughs> I'm thinking <sighs> underrated. Underrated. Okay. Okay. I'm feeling like people, it's sick, you know, to get funding back to, to space programs to kind of commit, commit to double down to like using our resources to explore space. That's legit. That's legit. And you got to look past Trump and just call it for what, what it is, which is fucking guardians, apparently. (laughs) Yo. So, Guardians. so wait, you said underrated. Underrated. I'm gonna agree. Yeah. Fuck fuck Trump, but Space Force, I love I love the idea. Oh yeah. You know, we're headed into the next the next age. And like probably probably your kids' kids are gonna be flying around in space back and forth to Mars, dude. Yeah. Like at the rate we're moving, yeah, go on like, vacation think about Mars. It. Just be like, oh, dude, I got a Airbnb in Mars. Taking your own shuttle, dude. Taking your own shuttle. Everybody has their own shuttle. We're talking true sci-fi. We're here. Like grab a pizza on the moon before I like jet out. Because that's the thing is like, I'll never, rem- I'll never forget when this dude from La Roche came up to me and he was like, don't you think like funding for the moon is like fucked up and i was like uh yeah i guess and he was like yeah like people are starving like they don't need to be funding the moon when like people are starving and i was like you know what you're right man fuck the fuck the moon project he's like yeah because like <laughs> obviously like we don't need to go to the moon we need to go to mars he's like oh. we need to be going to mars like that's oh, the important shit. part and i was like yeah. oh shit um, I mean, what about the poor people? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, no, man, Mars is the future. Like, you can't look back. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, he might be right. Mars might be the future. It might be our only future, the way we're moving. Truth. On this planet. Truth. The way things are going environmentally on this planet. I think Mars might be our only hope. So let's hope Elon Musk's crew set up shop and set up the foundation for us to escape when we collapse our own planet upon and on itself because we're polluting it so, so badly. Oh my God. Moving on. Number two, (laughs) Christmas music. Overrated. Wow. Okay. That's it. I, I'm particular about my music, and I like a couple jams. I like the song that's like, oh yeah, Home Alone, classic. That's from Home Alone, right? Beyond that's that, that, I'm straight. Like I don't need to hear anything else. That's the only one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I would have any other time have said overrated, but I just listened to a few Christmas jams earlier. And, you know, honestly, like I'm more in the holiday spirit than I have been in a very long time for whatever reason. And I was listening to Christmas jams uh, earlier from all around the world. Right. My 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 girlfriend put on 
um, this funny Italian song about the the Italian Christmas donkey. Christmas and it was donkey. this funny song that she, the song that she would listen to with her with her pops when she was young. And and then we just went on and then we started listening to Irish Christmas Christmas music. Whoa, whoa. And we were listening to some Swedish Christmas music. And it was just like, you know, Christmas music gets pretty lit if you look for it, you know? Whoa, some whoa. Jackson 5 shit, you know? Like then it was... <laughs> and then, so then it started to get a little wild, but... I'm saying it's perfectly rated. Christmas music is perfectly rated this season. I what's number three? Number three, eggnog. Ooh, underrated. I love nog. Yeah. I love nog. It's let's my favorite go. part of the season. Fucking let's go. I'm on board. It's so underrated. And I'm super lactose intolerant. And <laughs> I love it, though. I fucking, I don't care. Get your nog on. Get your nog on. Yeah. I get that Actually, nog on, baby. Nog deserves one of these beat drops. Get your nog on. All right. Number four. LeBron James. Underrated. Okay. By stats, he's GOAT. But he doesn't have the championships. But he doesn't have the championship. So I mean he just won the championship last last season in the bubble. How many is that for him? Three? Four? Three. Um good question. I didn't look that up. I think four. Four. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. What do you think? What do you think? If you if you compare him exactly with stats, you know he's blowing everybody away because he's across the board. Um, and yeah, that's been the one knock: not enough championships, at least compared to Michael. And because that's pretty much the only person you're comparing him to, right? Unless you want to go back to like you know, well. Oscar Robinson, you know, Will Chamberlain, who knows? You know, that stuff's too old. I can't even, I can't relate to it. It's just him versus Michael. That's the only, that's the only question. And LeBron is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He's underrated. King James. He's King James. And the Lakers won it easily last year in the bubble. They're probably, they have a good chance of repeating. So LeBron might rack up another one, another two, another three before he retires if they just go on a run. Dude, another four. I don't know. He's I don't know how old he is. It's like 34 now, so 35. All right, moving on. Last one. Number five, Mars. Ooh. I have to say it's underrated. Okay. Underrated. No, you know what? Overrated. Well, I'll flip it. Okay. I'll flip it. We should be, uh, in the spirit of La Roche, we should be forgetting about Mars. Go deeper. Why settle for Mars? Like, why settle for Mars? We should just send send some folks out there. Like, those are the great sci-fi movies where... People are just in deep space exploring and come across some crazy shit. 
Mars is basically like, oh, like I'm I'm gonna adventure out. I'm gonna go over to my 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 boyhood friend's house, like across the street, and sleep <laughs> over for the night. House. Yeah, uh, you know, like I'm talking, like go out to Alpha Centauri, you know, see if there aren't some humanoid whoa. inhabited planets, you know, circling around Alpha Centauri. Damn, bro. I don't know if we have the technology yet, but just put them in the that ship. That would be dope. See what happens. Just send them out. Just send them out. I mean, you're right. There are people who would sign up to do that. Not even think twice. Just send me out into the depths of space and I'll survive for as long as I can. Sick. I mean, I might do it. <laughs> if they gave me, uh, do you wear glasses? Gave me the option. No. Oh. But I'm colorblind, so that's, that might not work. I think there's. I don't think I could be in the colors. Air Force. I'm pretty sure you can't be in the Air Force if you're colorblind. Really? So you definitely can't fly a spaceship. But you're right. There's less colors in space. Yeah. Less colors going on. You can make a good argument. It <laughs> like, might be all right. Look, I know you don't love the colorblind thing when it comes to flying in the atmosphere, but how do you feel about outer space? All right. That's overrated, underrated. Underrated, overrated. Which way is it usually? Over, under, Over, baby. Under. Yeah. Overrated, underrated. Overrated, underrated. <clears throat> Moving on. This is the new, the, new, the, new, old, the old, and the fugly. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the new is... Night Hunters, Issue 1, by Dave Baker and Alexis Zirit, um, lettering by Robert Negrete, Negret, and uh, this book is sick. Go buy it. Go buy it. End of review. No, just kidding. Whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> Floating World Comics published it, and uh, I don't know much about Floating World Comics, but I'm into it, and... Uh, just the cover art alone, ridiculous. And um, the entire book, it's it's really, it's really, really cool. So we're talking 100 years in the future. And it's uh, a police state. And we're in a Grand, uh, Grand Caracas, Venezuela, which is where uh, Alexis is from, I believe. And... Um, it's so sick. I mean, the artwork is beautiful. Uh, it shows like a, a city shot. Um, and we got all sorts of skyscrapers and favelas, and it breaks down the different favelas and the the murder rate um, per per hour, and then like the the average household income, and it's like the murder rates are through the roof. And there's these really tall buildings that are that are prisons. They're all at max capacity with a wait list. And nice. so it's a dystopian future, um, 2057, it opens up in 2057. Um, the story is, is really, really well laid out by Dave Baker. Um, he introduces you to this old guy and these two kids, uh, two, two young, young boys. And, uh, they're they're trying to manage and, and make it through the city and the the gates are locking down at six p.m. so they have to 
they have to get back to their sector um, or something like that. And the cops are just like these cyborgy looking, you know, uh, machine arms, just like ridiculously crazy and intense um, cops and they're assholes, of course. And uh, they're, they're after the guy and the kids, you know, because they're, they're the people, they're just uh, regular folk out here trying to survive. And they're, they're not, they're not cops. They're not down with it. And so basically one of the kids gets, uh, gets blown up by like a tank, you know, tank shoots him in the middle of the night. This cop, this fucking asshole cop is just like, let's take this kid out. And the old guy in desperation brings him to somebody to save his life. His body's wrecked. He's all burnt up. He does this procedure on him to, um, to keep him alive uh, as a favor to the old guy. What? And he, he, ha- he becomes this kind of um, cyborg-y type um, person, right? This kid, and he can't speak anymore. The only thing he can do is respond in clicks. So one click for yes, oh two clicks for no. God. And he's got this like crazy eye and uh, his teeth. It's like a skeleton. You just see straight teeth and he just wears a hood. So this kid's life changed. Uh, and then we flash forward uh, 2078. Okay. Oh and my God. The kid is, uh, the kid has joined up with this squad of cops and they are the night hunters, right? So Ooh. the kid who is a cyborg is now on this special ops police force and they go into the favelas and they take out uh, drug dealers and the, the drug that they're selling is sick. It's, um, what is it? It's, uh, oh, yo, Yopo. 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 So, like, that's the big drug on the streets. How do you do it? You smoke it, inject it, what? Inhale it? I don't know, but it's a, it's a real drug, and it's, like, it's called Anadenanthera peregrina. Okay. Uh, also known as Yopo. It's a perennial tree of the genus Anadenanthera native to the Caribbean in South America. You smoke Yopo? Uh, you smoke Yopo? It grows up to 20 meters tall, has horny barks. Its flowers are pale yellow to white spherical. It is an entheogen, entheogen, huh. which has been used in healing ceremonies for and rituals for thousands of years in South America. And entheogen is basically like, you know, it's a hallucinogen. It's a something oh, trip on. Oh, yeah. So that's Get the drug, yo- right? Get your yopo on. Yopos. Um, <clears throat> the whole book has like a... Uh, a Latin flair uh, for Zerit and like Dave Baker, he he writes in the end about um, about. Well, let me finish the review. The kid who is now an adult is a, is a sniper in the police force, right? And uh, he has to take down a target, you know, a bunch of Yopo dealers, Yopo. and they're in there. And it's this big epic battle and they're fighting, everybody's shooting and it's so epic the way it's illustrated. And our, our guy, the click guy, the click kid, who's now an adult, chases down this guy and tackles him and he's about to take him out. He jumps, jumping across buildings, you know, 80 story tall buildings. 
tackles him. He's about to take him out, and he's like, the kid, the kid uh, sees the, the guy's mask fall off, and he's like, Julian, is that you? Nice. It's me, Ezekiel. And so his brother, the other kid, is, is, is fighting for the people, and he's a cop on uh, this Night Hunter's squad. And so they, they're seeing each other, I'm guessing, for the first time in years or something like that. Ooh. And it's great. It's fun. Um, Sounds fun. It's it's really, really well done. What's it called? Mine Hunters? Night Hunters. Night Hunters. Night Hunters. The artwork, Alexis Zirit, dude, he's... He's so good. He's he's a big inspiration for me. He keeps it so loose. Um, he it looks like he's just like illustrating in ink, chunk chunky blacks. He does a lot of his own, uh, a lot of his own like um, sound effects. You know, like uh, illustrating the sound effects and like it's it's um, it's done like spot flat colors, like really primary colors: yellow, blue, red, nice. uh, green. And usually like one panel or two or two, one color or two colors per panel. Um, it's just, it's just beautiful. He did space riders back in the day. He has this kind of, uh, old black light poster, uh, illustration style. And like, you know, some of his work for space riders basically looked like something you'd see on this, like a tripped out black light poster. Really, really cool. Sick. Um, and at the end, Dave Baker goes on about how when this when they wrote this book or when they started writing this book, um, uh, things, uh, you know, things went down uh, this year with 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 poli- police brutality, uh, with you know George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and all of this kind of happened as they had already been writing this book. So when they wrote this book, the the um, you know, the climax or like the, uh, where we're at now with this, with civil unrest surrounding the, the racism in, and the police brutality against, against black people and people of color. Like, so he, he's writing about it at the end, Dave Baker, and he writes some really cool stuff. Um, and so He's like, this book was a purely theoretical thought exercise wrapped in pulpy genre trappings for a long time. But with every passing moment, it feels like something more to me. It's this egotistical and fairly self... Is this egotistical and fairly self-centered? Maybe. But I've been cooped up in my house for like six months, so bear with me. I weep every time an unarmed black man is shot in the news. How is this still happening? I think to myself, and yet it still does over and over again. A seemingly endless cycle. A Mobius strip of pain and despair and loss. What is there to to do about it? Get involved, take action, stand up, be fucking counted. Okay, and then what? You can't protest literally every waking second, can you? You can, with art. And so it's like he's talking about like doing this book was like his way to continue to protest. Huh, uh, interesting. um, You know, continuously and consistently. Interesting. um, By this book. I cannot stress enough how good this book is. Night Hunters, Dave Baker, Alexis Sirit is a must buy. Um, he's also said he finishes it up with I'm writing this essay before the election. 
Our book will come out after the election, but just know this, regardless of who wins, I'm not going anywhere. I'm literally going to be right here. I'm going to use my voice to create and protest and celebrate art because I literally don't know how not to. Boom. Friend, Davey. (laughs) Boom. Then he drops some links if you want to get involved. BLM, LA, uh, Funders for Justice. It's, you know. Throwing down. This is dope. Night. The artwork is dope. The story is dope. Night Hunter. Uh, it's very relevant, and it's it's also really fun and cool. And, I mean, we're talking like cyberpunk, dystopian nice. future with a police state, and we got to do something about it, and it's it's going to be really fun. And you got two brothers on either side of the struggle. Woo, Classic. Woo. Yeah. Night Hunters, issue one. Check it out. Check it out. That's the new. That's the new. What's All the right. old? So the old, I've been, if, you, if you've been with us for the last couple issues, you know, I, I threw some shade at Jonathan Hickman and then regretted it and so tried to make amends. So this time I want to review some of his work he did for Marvel in, you know, several years ago, uh, Future Foundation. So coming off of his run on Fantastic Four, um, Hickman basically uh, launched kind of a standalone little sub, sub line within the Fantastic Four called FF, Future Foundation. And um, so I'm going to review basically the first kind of like chunk of issues and and the basic premise, I won't give any spoiler alerts, but this is a way of basically giving props to Hickman. Um, So future foundation basically is fantastic for, for all intents and purposes, but the way Hickman sets it up is that their very first mission together is to defeat the council of reeds so basically um you know the mr fantastic reed whose name richards, is reed mr. richards fantastic. there you go yeah um you know he at some point divided his intelligence into like separate instances of itself and spread these throughout the multiverse so in like several different dimensions reed richards is like you know just as powerful as he is in our dimension. Um, And moreover, in many of the dimensions, the Richards have gotten so intelligent that they can access this like portal that takes them to a place above all the multiverses. So they're able to meet and hang out with each other. And they basically like in that process, and this is all implicit, devise a scheme whereby as a team, they'll enter into the separate universes and like either accelerate a defeat or accelerate a win for or against the Fantastic Four in that dimension to maximize the success of um, the Fantastic Four in the multiverse. But of course, all the comics that we know of and where we're faced is one of those universes that the the Council of uh, Reed Richards deems isn't worth saving and whose destruction should be accelerated. So the FF is basically tasked with stopping the council of reeds from 
executing their plan. So in the process, they have to basically team up with all of the villains. Um, so oh, love that you've got love like, it when the villains have to come to the good guy's side. That is one of the best things that comics brought to me in storytelling is bringing villains to the good guys because they have to for some stupid ass reason. Exactly. Love that. Exactly. So, so it's, who do we got? Who oh, we got? we got them all. We've got, um, you know, the wizard, um, mole man, uh, oh man, fucking, yes. uh, most importantly, Dr. Doom. Doom. So basically, and moreover, it's coming on the heels of, um, basically like the Fantastic Four having defeated Doom in a certain sense. Um, so there's like, you know, the, to bring doom into the scenario, they basically have to restore some of his powers. So they travel to Latveria to like get a backup copy of like doom's intelligence. They bring in the high evolutionary Diablo. Anyway, the bottom line is that you've got this amazing kind of setup happening where doom works to say works with the fantastic four to save the universe ultimately. So he can get back to being doom in that universe because he doesn't have multiverse perspective yet. And so the yet there is, is, is kind of the big setup where it really is the moment where you see secret wars, which is the big event that happened a few years ago, uh, kind of start getting, getting set into motion. So for those of you who are way into Dr. Doom and Hickman, who, you know, is definitely a student of the canon, like knows it in and out. And one of the fun things about it is part of the future foundation is the villains is the fantastic four without human torch. Um, but it also has the kids of Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. And they have this like cloned kid version of the wizard named Bentley 23. And Hickman does a really good job like writing that this really funny subplot involving all the kids. Um, and of course they're like super vital to the success of like the adults, but there's the, this ongoing like infantile infantilizing, you know, discourse happening between the parents and the kids where it's like, Oh, like you kids stay here. Like, you know, it's too dangerous for you. And then the kids break the rules and don't listen, but end up like getting into even more dangerous situations, but being super successful at navigating them. Um, mm -hmm. It's super fun. So that's the old FF, like the first, like probably five or six issues run you through this sick plot. I'm not going to go into too much details, so, but suffice to say, it's a really fun, like canonical work by Hickman, who's hands down one of the best guys writing comics right now, in my opinion. Um, so go check it out if you haven't. Check it out. Check it out. Future Foundation, right? Whoa, whoa. Who's in Future Foundation? Who are the actual members of Future Foundation? All right. So you've got Dragon Man. Um, you've got, who's that dragon who man that? was like a, a villain, old school villain, um, nice. of the fantastic four, 
but like Hickman's like divide dreamt him up as like reformed and peaceful. So he's like a pacifist, but he's this huge mm-hmm. dragon that's like hanging around the Baxter building. And basically is kind of the, the nanny for the kids as far as how Hickman writes it. But then you've got a couple Moloids that are evolved from pure Moloid form. Um, what are Moloids? Those are Mole like man. the, the Mole Man's people, like his subjects. Mole Man's people? His yeah. subjects? Yeah. <laughs> like My at, God. at some point they evolved into like a higher intelligence and revolted against Mole Man. So like some of those evolved Moloids are on the Future Foundation. Nice. Love you've, that. You've got um, Bentley 23, which is the Wizards clone. Wizards, a supervillain of... Yeah, I don't know who Wizard is. I need to look that up. There's a lot of guys in the Marvel Universe that are pretty similar villains. They're just like super smart. Um, Wizard's yeah. one of them. Uh, okay. And then Doctor Doom, of course. Um, you've got High Evolutionary. Um, and the good guys, I guess, are Spider-Man kind of takes the place of, of Human Torch. You've got... Wow, Spider-Man's in the t- on the team? Yeah, yeah. Because Human Torch Damn. has died. <clears throat> and so... You've got Thang, you've got Mr. Fantastic, Mrs. Fantastic, Spider-Man, all the villains, those Moloids. You've got the kids. So there's like two kids proper of the the Richards. Um, yeah. And they're super powerful. Um, they're like ridiculously powerful. Nice. Uh, so they have like really sweet roles in, in the whole comic. And then um, <clears throat> probably the last... Last really key character is Reed Richards' dad, Nathaniel. Like hmm. has has a pretty significant role in it because he's like a like a dimension traveler. Um, so it's kind of like who hips like the Reed Richards in every dimension to the possibility of having this interdimensional council. Um, but he also is like working to like undermine the council's goals. So it's complicated, but it's super interesting. Sounds it. Check it out. What year is it from? Um, they kicked it off, I'm pretty sure, in 2010. So it's wow. it's definitely been a while, but I just... Re- old. We're starting to get old. Yeah. And it's good. It's definitely good. So All that's right. the old. That's the old. Let's move on to the fugly. Fugly. Fugly of the week is Christmas shopping. Oh, fuck that. Fuck. Sheet. Oh, fuck that sheet. I was in Seekonk today oh. where you go shopping and my God, don't, the people are driving crazy. I mean, we're in a pandemic, people. Uh, and the target was just bananas. And don't even <laughs> ask me why I went to Target right now, but I had to. Get and, your Christmas shopping uh, done. Yeah, man. We got you gotta Christmas shop online this year, man. You really gotta. I, I like even if the gifts are coming in late, even if you're a last minute person, have the gifts come in late. Just, that's that's I'm 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 telling myself basically because I can't it was a madhouse out there. Dude, it's, it's not a worth it. COVID-19 cesspool. Yeah, you don't want to get that the virus, bro. No. 
or pass the virus if I have it. I don't want to do any of that. Nah, it's Christmas shopping. Here's my thing. It's like, why do people, why do we, why do we like agree, tacitly agree to like participate in this practice where you basically equate your, your love for someone to buying them a gift? And now I know like one of the points is like, you know, it take it's a certain level of sacrifice to go and take the time to buy something or whatever. And I get that, I guess. But like at the same time, you can do you can sacrifice time in that meaningful way and resources without like buying something. So like, you know, um, something I do a lot is for like my lady, I'll write her poetry. You know, it takes me quite a bit of time to sit down and write a poem and revise it and get it just right type it up, give it to her, you know, and that's straight from the heart. Does it cost me anything like money wise? No, but that's why it's valuable, you know, and the whole Christmas shopping, you know, is antithetical to that sort of idea. It's capitalism. It's finest, dude. It's consumerism. Like you're right, dude, write a poem. That's like one of the most beautiful things that I've heard in a long time. I love that. Yeah, just sing. I love it. Sing to your Write girl. Write a poem. Sing. Create something. True. You got shit in your house, I guarantee it. You got shit in your house where you could create something beautiful for your partner, your special friend, your parents, your kids, your loved ones. Let's do that. This yeah. year. Yeah, just take the time to focus on them. That's 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 what's worth that's what's worth doing. It's like taking some time to like focus on someone else and give them some of your time and focus. Or if you are gonna buy something, buy local, buy small. Don't give your money to Target like I did today, like like an idiot. <laughs> Don't give your money to Walmart. Or Best Buy and shit. I know it's hard because you got to get certain things. You just got to get certain things, you know? And, but yeah, try to buy from a local artist or just somebody who's, who's doing their own thing, trying to create something cool. Let's support those people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shop local or don't shop at all. Either way. Don't go to fucking Target. (laughs) (laughs) Target's still better than Walmart, let's be honest. Walmart. I saw Bernie stomp once in 2016, New York. And he had this great riff on uh, Walmart. And he was like, he was like, you know, the, the poverty line is like above what full-time employees make at Walmart. So that tells you that, you know, most full-time employees at Walmart are on fucking food stamps and housing assistance programs. And you know what I say? Sam Walton and the Walmart family who are billionaires should get the fuck off of welfare. Drop the F-bomb, dude. In the stump. I was like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Let's go. Preach to him. It was sick. It's like Bernie, dude. Keeping it real. Love Bernie.
How can you not? Yeah. All right. I. That's the fugly Christmas shopping, man. Fuck it. It's the ugly of the week. That's the ugly of the week. So what All do right, we do? So we did the fun fact. Over last under. Last thing I want to do is uh, podcast shout outs. And I want to shout out Jim Ma Food, legendary illustrator, one of my heroes and biggest inspirations. He's got a radio show slash podcast, uh, mostly a DJ set where he's playing music. Skull Funk Radio. Check Skull that funk. shit out. Skullfunkradio.fireside.fm is the link. Go and listen to it. So good. Um, we also have the Cartoonist Kayfabe podcast. Um, Ed Piscor, Jim Rugg. These guys are also living legends. Huge, huge inspirations uh, for me. They're illustrators in the comic biz doing cool stuff. Cartoonist Kayfabe podcast. You can find it uh, wherever you find your podcast. Check them out. And uh, I think that's it. That's issue three. We're getting better. We're getting faster. We're getting smarter. We're growing. We're developing. All right. We're evolving every issue. We come harder. We come faster. We're built differently. Stay alert. Yeah. Stay strange. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna get there. Um, yeah, this has been, uh, really fun and, uh, I hope everybody is, uh, is safe and warm through, through the, the holiday and the new year. And, uh, we're going to sign off here. So I am your host, Byron Olson. This is my co-host, Dean. And this was the Strange Ones podcast. Like I always say every week, stay loose, stay alert, and stay strange. Stay strange. strange. Catch y'all next time, baby. Peace. Peace.